I'm going to read from Luke 15. Uh, This is the New Living Translation. I'm going to start off in verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father's house and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. So please just take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. Embraced him. Kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the fatted calf. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead. Now he's returned to life. He was lost. Now he's found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home from the work, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. Your father has killed the the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry. Wouldn't go in to the party. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, All these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. And yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that Jesus can teach us. And we pray that we hear this parable once again, as if for the first time, but also as something oh so familiar. 
that we're striving to live out and let us to be captivated by your most amazing grace and your shameless, scandalous love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever wondered what the mother in that family was doing? Um, I haven't until today, but that'll make it a Mother's Day sermon, and now we can move on. That's good preaching. Um, There's a lot here for moms as well. For anyone who uh, has children, for anyone who has parents. Um, Yeah, you've got parents. We all do. And Jesus, though, starts out building up to this story of the prodigal son, as it's well known. He's talking about lost things, things that have gone missing. And and it's a strange collection of items, isn't it? You've got a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. He says that a one percent loss is not good and risks everything to go after the one lost sheep. By the way, what started this little series was uh, uh, Jesus welcoming tax collectors and known sinners. I mean, the people whose sin is obvious. You know, it's always interesting when the New Testament describes sinners. Some of your English translations have little quotation marks like sinners because we understand that we're all sinners i like what new living translation does it says notorious sinners and so you picture you know al capone and uh you know uh pretty boy floyd you know they're all sitting around with jesus but but the idea is is that they're known they're the people who they wear their sins and you know sometimes that's how we do it we you know, those of us who say that we're sinners, we're just generic sinners. Oh, I've got my sins, and we, you know, we don't, we don't have to. Our, our, our scars don't show. But then you've got the notorious sinners, and they've got the badge. I mean, they're identified. Uh, Jesus is welcoming them in, and that raises some eyebrows with the teachers of the religious law, and they, con- they complain that he associates with them. And it's that concern that he's associating with the with, the, with those people, with the wrong kind of people. That's what starts all this. And so rather than just say, hey, you guys are a bunch of religious snots and you need to quit being this way and God loves everyone and I'm out, don't show up again. Now see, that's what I would do. And that's dumb. Jesus just says, he's, Jesus is going to give them a chance. I'm going to tell you three stories and let's see if, if, if any of these resonate with you guys. So he talks about this fellow who lost a sheep. Well, what does he do? He rejoices. He tells everybody when he found, when he finds what was lost, when he found the, the lost sheep. And then there's a woman. She's got ten coins. This would be her savings. This would be both coinage and jewelry. It would be special to her. She's got ten of them. She loses one. She turns the house upside down to find it. It's like a woman losing her wedding ring. It's like uh, someone losing, you're losing something very treasured, not only monetarily valuable, but has all sorts of other value. She finds it. When she does, she tells everybody and she celebrates. 
You lose something, you find it, you let everybody know it's found. And then he moves to this next story about losing a son, but not through death, through sin. And the story starts to take a, it's in a way, you're wanting to ask Jesus, wait, I get the sheep story, I get the coin story, but the son story, how does that fit? The common theme between the three stories is celebrating, feasting. Because what was lost is found. What was dead is now alive. We have a ministry here called Celebrate Recovery. Well, just a play on that name. Recovery, recovery of what was lost, naturally celebrates. And Jesus is showing, because him with those tax collectors, the traitors, and the notorious sinners the people who are clearly identified as sinful and outcast, feasting with them represents a form of celebration. And I'm sure that the religious leaders, we can understand their concern. The religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, their concern is, you know, but if you welcome them in, aren't you approving of their sin? Aren't you approving of their political stance, of what they've done, in their, their collusion with the, with the pagan government? You've got to be careful here, Jesus. We know you're a good teacher. We know you're a good fellow. But associating with them could send the wrong message. Jesus says the only message is, is that God is celebrating because he's received back what he lost. The way to understand that is to move into the story. And the, the three characters, the three individuals that move the story for us are, of course, the father, the younger son, and the older son. The father. I, th- I think we should, we should start with him because that's where Jesus starts. You know, this really isn't the parable of <coughs> the prodigal son. I'm not even sure what prodigal means anymore. Um, you know, back in northwest Arkansas, we spelt that P-R-O-D-I-K-A-L, you know, prodigal. And... Uh, uh, the, but um, it, it's really the parable of the man with two sons. That's how Jesus introduces it. And the man is the father in the story. And if that, you know, if you're kind of saying, hey, wait a second, is the father in the story? Is that also God? Good, good. You're following. How does he lose a son? I mean, really, what does he do to lose a son? This is not a story of him going to the supermarket and he turns around and he goes like, where'd that boy wander off to? No. What we would say today is we would say that the son walked out on him. How would you describe it? Maybe we would say that the son turned his back on his father. The son disowned his father. The son lived as if his father were dead, and he never wanted to speak to him again. We wouldn't describe that as losing his son, except we might say that his son is lost to him. And that would be our euphemistic way of saying he doesn't have a relationship with his son. Notice, I don't know if we ever see this, we always, 
jump ahead with the, with the young fella, and he's in the pig pen and starving. But he asks for the father's estate to be divided. You understand what he's asking for there? He's saying, Father, um, I really wish you were dead today and we were dividing up your property reading the will because I have no interest in being your son. This is a huge insult. This is shameful activity. And so what does the father do? He gives it to him, which again is strange. He should have, you know, maybe, he, maybe if he had been a better disciplinarian. I know this is supposed to be a Mother's Day sermon, but I guess it would apply as well, you know. I mean, everything that a kid does is all a reflection of how good or bad parents we are, you know. Children are our trophies to hang on the parent shelf. Look at what I did. Well, if you were here a few weeks ago, you, uh, you would have heard how Runkle tell us how false all that thinking is. This father does a strange thing, and I don't think we're asked to think too much about it other than the fact that he gives the son exactly what he wants and says, that's fine, if that's what you want, you can have it. Which is strangely similar to the definition of wrath that you read about in Romans where Paul says that God, rather than punishing us when we said that we wished we were in control and there was no God, God does not punish us and rain down fire, but he says, is that what you want? Why don't you try it? And that's wrath. To have everything we ever wanted. And all the responsibility that goes with it. So what does the father do to find his son? What does he do to get his son back? As far as we can tell, he just waits. The father continues to do everything he did. He just waits. This is his adult child he, he, who demanded his inheritance. He gets his inheritance. He takes off. He squanders it. But what does the father do when the son returns? Now, that's interesting. He doesn't wait for the son to come up crawling on his hands and knees, begging. He doesn't take the position of the, uh, of the judge or of the, uh, the wounded parent. He doesn't turn his back on him. He doesn't slam the door in his face. He doesn't stand off with his hands crossed. He runs. And that, in his culture, is undignified. You don't run. And you don't run to a son like that. It's, why, it's a display. You don't behave like that. See, they lived in a world where, you know, these days things are, are, are kind of changing, you know, where uh, men can hug and, and uh, you know, we, we, we can tell each other that we love them. The way you get around that is the word bro. It helps, you know, you know or man, because you want to you specify it's not, hey, I love you. It's I love you, man, you know, just reminding each other, you know, man, love you, bro, you know. And then when you hug, you have to throw in a little, you know, uh, slap or something, you know. He's like, you know, pow, pow, you hit him on the back, you know. I love you, whack! And if you don't, and just remember, I can always knock you down. And so, that's how we do it. Right, right, right. But, you know, still there's things that you, 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 you know, you don't do. And, and, and 
generations ago, some of you remember, you know, uh, guys shake hands. You know, we don't hug. We don't do all that. That's a, you know, it's a bit much. It's just a, kind of a display, you know. Some of you don't do that. You know, that's not your style. You don't care for that. I'm not putting you down. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that sometimes. One of the things that this man doesn't do is he, he pick, you know, remember, these guys wear big old robes. I mean, they run He's out there running. Hey, my son's here. It's, he looks goofy. And he doesn't care. This father is shameless in his concern, in his celebration that his son is not out there dead to him, but is coming home. And when you think of the lost son, you know, sometimes we have him as just kind of a lovable goofball, you know. The... um, the son is just sort of a guy who makes a mistake and has to go home. But, you know, he, he would have come back home a wreck. He would have been an absolute wreck. Starving in a land where other people were starving and he was given nothing. He might even be unrecognizable to his father. And here comes his father who lavishes love on him, embracing him. By the way, it reminds us of that verse in 1 John chapter 3. You know, this isn't unique to this parable. If you look throughout the Bible, you see other clues to this same idea. All these same concepts are there. 1 John 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Now, it's not, behold, what manner of love the Father has for us, you know, which is just, you know, does God love you? Yes, God loves me. That's it. No, there's, there's a verb stuck in there, lavishing. And that's an old English word that we don't really use that much. I'll tell you, I saw lavishing yesterday when we were in Branson, and we went to one of those family restaurants, and before you even eat your meal, they bring out a corn cake, okay? It's not cornbread. You know, cornbread, we all say, oh, cornbread, cornbread. This is a cake, folks. I mean, it is as thick as any cake. It's as sweet as any cake. The thing is, is you think about it, corn cake doesn't sound that good, but you're going to eat it anyway. And it has globs of butter that have been scooped out with an ice cream scoop, and they're just melting all over it. That is lavishing. They lavished butter. It was a disgusting display, and I ate it. And that's what happens. When the father takes his son back. And you've got to know this, that that son did not expect that. Why did he return? Well, because he was hungry. Yes, he was hungry. He had wasted everything. He no longer had any resources. But of all the reasons he could come home, there was one that Jesus mentions. He came to his senses. He started thinking right. He recognized what was really going on. I mean, he's looking at the situation around him and he realizes how much he's failed, how much he has ruined his life, how little people care for him in the, new, in the strange new land that he finds himself in, and how he's out there feeding dirty animals 
Somebody told me once, they said, you know, pigs are actually very clean animals. <laughs> I'm thinking, you haven't been around pigs. Um, anyway, um, they're dirty. And, uh, and I know it for a fact. But he's the, 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 there with those animals, and they're eating. And you ought to see what they eat. They, they, he's feeding them garbage. And, and they, he, they're getting better meals than he is. And it's like everything just goes off. The lights go off, and he comes to his senses. He straightens up. And if you've had that moment, or if you ever have that moment, pay attention, okay? Don't start beating yourself up. Don't, don't, don't start trying to erase it. Don't start trying to numb it. Go ahead and live in that moment, because that's going to be a good moment. Yeah, you may not feel like it. I'm sure he didn't expect that. That wasn't in his plan to, to come to his senses in the pig pen craving the slop that the hogs are eating. No. He's, he's having this moment where he sees the world as it truly is and he knows where he's at. And right then at that moment, he has a plan of action. Now again, not what he planned, but he expects to go home and say, I'm unworthy. I know what I've done. I can never be your son again, but I will settle for being the lowest servant in your house because I know that I'll do better in that condition than I'm doing right now. That's what he expects. He's got it all written out. He's thought it through. He's like, I'll go up to my dad. I'll just say, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. If you'll receive me back as a slave. Hey, you know, if you want to read this cynically and say, you know, I don't know, does he really mean it? You know, does he really mean it? Is he just kind of trying to play his father and just, this is his little game, you know? Okay, fine. Let's say he is. Whatever. I don't think so because Jesus says he comes to his senses. But whatever. He's got a plan. The one thing he knows is not going to happen is that he's going to be received back as his father's son and everything's hunky-dory. He knows that he blew it and he couldn't make it on his own. And then what happens? What happens to his shame? The shame that he should rightfully have. You think about it. I mean, we've got a lot of sympathy for this, this, this cat because we call him the prodigal son. When you stop and think about it, if you saw this story reported on Fox News, they would have you outraged in 30 seconds. If you saw this story reported in any magazine, any newspaper, if somebody told you about it, they'd have you outraged. What happened to that boy of yours? You know, the one that asked for your inheritance and went off and, you know, just frittered it away. Golly, you had a lot of money you gave him, didn't you? And he, he lost all of it, every bit of it. And well, whatever happened to him? Oh, uh, he came home yesterday. He wanted, to, he wanted to work for me. He wanted a job. <laughs> I wouldn't hire him. See, that's the way we would react to the story if this wasn't the Bible. <laughs> and that's exactly how the people hearing this are receiving this story. It's like, what? What? You've got to check the scandal of it. This kid has all this shame that he deserves because of the way he treated his father, told him he wished he were dead, took all that hard-worked money and resources blows it squanders it 
puts the family at risk because half of their fortune is gone. I mean, just imagine that the kid, that the father went, cashed out his, uh, you know, his retirement savings, gave half of it to the kid. He paid all the penalties and the, and the, and the taxes himself. That kid blows it, wastes it. Shame on him. But what happens to that shame? What happens to it? The father just brushes it off his shoulders. He starts the apology process. Father, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Hey, get him a robe. Like the kind that, you know, the royal people wear. Put a ring on his finger, the household ring. Give him, basically he's saying, give him the, uh, give him the checkbook. You know, that ring was a symbol of authority and blessing and, and honor. We're going to have a barbecue tonight. We're going to get the best steaks, yeah. And have a party. My son's back. This is not expected. And the person who really doesn't expect it is the elder son. And he often gets left out. Everybody tells the prodigal son story, and it's like, oh, nice, happy ending. But that's not how the story ends. There's a party going on, and, and, and the, the, you know, everybody's just feasting. And I don't even know what the lost son is doing at this point. I kind of imagine him just kind of staring off into space like, where on earth have I landed? And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, this, is, this is unreal. And all the servants seem to be having a good time because they're out marching around. Here comes older son who's been working, and, and, and he shows up and he says, hey, what's going on in there? It's the best party ever. Changed my life, man. It's great. Son came back. Dad is so happy. It's good stuff, man. Come in. Get some, get some barbecue. But the elder son is angry at this. Why? Is he angry because of his younger brother? And the, and the way that his younger brother needs to be made to suffer the shame that he inflicted on the family? Or is he angry at his father for not being the kind of father that he expects him to be? And did you notice what the father is doing? The father's telling the son, come on in. Come to the party. Come to the celebration. There are some customs there that the son probably has to follow. That if he comes in, what he'll have to do is he'll have to, he'll have to serve up the meat. The special choice, fattened calf meat, to the guest of honor, who in this case is his younger brother who deserves nothing but shame. Maybe he feels a little uncomfortable receiving him back. The older son is not a hugger, and he doesn't want to have him there in that situation, but it's even deeper than that, really. This is the person that has caused him and his father and their entire household years of pain and they have taken the hit while he has ended up basically destroying himself no no i'm not coming to your party this is a sham father this is a sham but the father's explanation is simply this after the older son expresses his anger, he says, I've worked for you. Where's my party? I don't even need the fatted calf. We can just barbecue a goat. 
I have a couple of friends over. Have fajitas. But no. Instead, all I do is work, 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 work. Seems like those are the people that ought to get rewarded, Dad. And the father says, look, my dear son, you've always stayed by me. And everything, everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate today. Because your brother was dead. And now he's come back to life. He was lost to us. But we found him. We have him back. The right thing to do today is celebrate that. I told you, if you look all throughout Scripture, you'll, you'll find other hints of this. Again, where John says, love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, so the story ends with the father saying, son, this is why you ought to come into the party. This is why you need to come to the celebration. Because I love you too, and I want all my sons there so that I can celebrate this. We have a future again. What was lost has been recovered, and recovery celebrates. (laughs) So, here's the real question. Do you think he went into the party at that point? Hmm. That's the unanswered question. That's the real question. Does the older son go to the party? And I think that it's at that point that if you go back to the real world outside the parable, Jesus is, who, who has been told by these Pharisees, these religious leaders, hey, you need to be careful who you associate with because, you know, it might give people the, the, the wrong idea. And I don't know, you know, I mean, there is some, I mean, hey, Evil communications corrupt good manners, right? I know that's New Testament that hasn't been written yet, but we like that. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm just mentioning that to you. You ought to, you ought to think about this, Jesus. And Jesus, at the end of the story, has them, and he says, you know, you're asking me why I'm here celebrating with the people that God loves, that he has recovered. My question to you is, are you going to come to the celebration too? And maybe for some of us, We need to get over our idolatry of work. We need to get over our idolatry of religious perfection. We need to get over our idolatry of self-righteousness. We need to get over our our resentments at people who have, uh, you know, oh, they had all the fun out there with the partying and everything, and now they come back to Jesus? Well, truth is, they probably didn't have a lot of fun. That's the way we've often seen it and yeah it's a celebration and if you hear in this conversation uh, uh, in this parable a conversation between a father and his children and that's making you think wow that sounds like me and God and people in the church and me and other people in the church bingo Jesus has just taught you (laughs) his word has given you something My encouragement to you today and this week is dwell on these words of the Father. Whether you're the lost son or the older son, whether you're the wayward child or the devoted child, 
Quit focusing on the sons. Quit focusing on the children. Focus on the father. Look what he says. Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And and by the way, as far as parenting goes, I don't think this is a parable for parenting, for mothers or fathers. I think this is Jesus saying, you know, here's something you've got to learn, all of us have got to learn as children of God. God's love is shameless. God's love is scandalous. I mean, he would use the shame of the cross to rescue the entire world, and the entire world didn't deserve it. But that's God. Are we going to understand it all? Probably not. But we are invited to the celebration. The question is, will you be there? Pray with me. Father, I pray that we would have the courage to come to the celebration, to set aside all the shame, to set aside all the the resentment, to set aside all of the judgment, and to set aside all of the worry and the scandal. And, Father, just be wrapped up in your love. We know that your love, your love, covers over a multitude of sins. And if we will just come to the celebration, if we'll eat dessert first, you'll figure out all the, the, the healthy nutrients that we need to sort out all the other problems. Father, give us that spirit, your spirit of love. We pray in Jesus' name. So we're going to start the celebration here, and if there's anything that you need today, we've got elders who are ready to receive you, to uh, let you know that God lavishes His love on you. And if you need prayer or encouragement, we'll be glad to share that with you. Let's stand up. Let's sing together.